1: From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're starting off talking about does experience matter in the college basketball season? Then we're going to follow that with an interview with Trevor Sendohinos of BustingBrackets.com previewing the college basketball season. Then we're talking about the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And then we're going to start the pot talking about Coach John Calipari. Is he a good coach? Well, we'll discuss that at the end. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. It is time to turn on the Sports Stove. All right, let's get started with the front burner today. Let's talk about experience and does experience matter in this COVID college basketball season? We're about to start college basketball and there is so much uncertainty surrounding the season. And so the question really is, is do the teams have an, a more than usual advantage to have an experienced team or does less experience actually help you out in this weird Uh, unexpected, not sure what's going to happen season. You look at a few different teams that are out there, like Texas. Texas returns 100% of their minutes from last season. Their starters are back, their role players are back, they've added as well to the team. But they have as much experience or more experience than any other team in the nation coming into this season. Then you have a school like Richmond, who was playing second fiddle to Dayton last year. Well, this year they might take that step up and surpass Dayton because they have 94% of their minutes coming back this year. You've got Kansas with over half of their major playing time back this season as well. Illinois returning four or five starters. So you have some teams out there that are expected to, to do well, and a lot of that leans onto the fact that they have experienced players. But I turn back and look at the NBA bubble. The Miami Heat, young and inexperienced overall. Obviously, they had some experience as well, but they were a young team, and yet they they plowed their way through the bubble, making it to the NBA championship before eventually losing to the Los Angeles Lakers. This season, there is going to be so much uncertainty in college basketball. Will they start on time? Will they get through the whole season? Will they have to extend the season to make up for some games that had to be postponed or moved What is going to happen? We don't know. And sometimes, having no experience, not knowing what to expect, not already having been there, can play into your advantage when things get shaken up a little bit, when the routines get moved. Many of these players have not been in routines yet because they're incoming freshmen. And you have teams that are out there, some of the younger teams, like maybe a Kentucky, possibly even a Duke, guys that are going to come in. And those are perennial powerhouses to a degree in college basketball but maybe the the ideal team to have this year in college basketball is one that is inexperienced as opposed to experienced. It'll be seen here in the coming months of whether or not experience matters, but I think this year I'm going to put my money on the less experienced as opposed to the more experienced. We're in for a crazy college basketball season, and no matter if the experienced teams win out or the inexperienced teams win out, I think it's going to be a great college basketball season. We are joined now by Trevor Sinodinos from BustingBrackets.com to talk all things college basketball. Trevor, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Let's start off with uh, the top of the rankings, Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, They seem to be right neck and neck with each other. Are those two teams for real or uh, what do you think about those two teams? Uh, well first thank you all for having
2: me on, uh really It's good to give a talk some ball as opposed to just running about all the time. Um, yeah, we've got to the top of the American Gonzaga and Baylor. And, um I I would say definitely A P got this right. I mean, uh it's Gonzaga number one. This is coming from me, um well, self proclaimed Gonzaga. Not a hater per se, but I I never give enough credit coming out of the conference. Um, um, I don't necessarily think Gonzaga's gonna make it uh to the final four percent, but right now they are for real and when you're determining a preseason poll, Don Zag has done it last year and, and they're gonna do it again. I mean they uh, they, they lost a couple. I mean said you know, going uh hurt them There's seventeen points and Ryan Woolridge has gone his ten. But I mean Jalen Suggs is coming in their highest ranked recruit ever to Gonzaga, and he, he's for real. And he's going to come in. He's going to replace some of that scoring. And of course, they got Pittsburgh coming back with his fourteen points, and Aiyi is also back with his ten point six. So I mean, Gonzaga is for real. They're going to go to the conference. It's going to be easy. I still won't give them some respect, the stuff, but they're, they're 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 very good. Very, good. And uh, on the flip side, you got uh, Baylor, who, listen, I'm, I'm almost going to say that uh, defense is, is, is going to win you some games. I mean, if you, if you play good enough defense, you only really need to score one basket to win, technically. And Baylor's got that defense. They only went up about 60 uh, last year against them. And because their piece of play. Their piece of play. They were only... They're only the well, higher pace of play was with Texas and TCU, and like Texas was six in, in, in the Big 12, and TCU was seven, so like, Baylor was up at the top. The pace of play to control the game, and we got Teague and Clark and Kyle. I mean, the game's they're going to go their way. They're going to shut the players down. And they're going to have a lot of success. Those two are definitely, and, and even in my top ten, they were, they were the top two.
1: Out of the top 10 uh, in the preseason here, is there any teams that don't belong as far as, not just don't belong in the top 10, but maybe they're going to, or you expect them to fall out of even the top 25 sooner rather than later? Well,
2: I mean, when the AP came out, I did my rankings a um, couple, couple of weeks ago, and um, obviously in different order, but I do, nine of my, my top 10, or, or in the AP top ten, um, the one that I think is that I don't have in the top ten is um, Kansas. I know Kansas is a little bit overrated. They just they lost so much. They lost they lost so much with as Asabuki and 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 Dotson. I'm not entirely sure how they're going to replace that. Do they fall out of the top twenty five? I don't think so. I would say. I mean. Crichton's 11, um, I'm very low on Crichton, and they do have a couple injuries, so I really don't, I had Crichton at 25, with with those two injuries, I would see Crichton falling out of the top 25, but as for the top 10, those teams are good, those, those teams are good, and I, I can't see any of them really falling out of the top, falling that hard from the top 10 out of the top 25, I mean, barring
1: injuries of course. Sure. Yeah, I mean, this This season, is uh, there's a lot of unknown just with COVID alone. Um, we just have to assume everything's going to play out normal and, and talk about it that way, because yeah. we have no clue what's going to happen. Um, yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I'm mean, in a no lead situation here. Uh, I, I you know anything could be 10 and a sniffle it can take somebody else for two weeks. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> let's let's pretend it's going to be normal. I hope it's going to be normal, and play some ball. Uh, who do you think has the uh, toughest conference in college basketball this year?
2: I mean, I, I think you gotta go, you gotta go up the Big Ten again. Um, I just recently wrote an article, and I don't know it off the top of my head, but they were one of the top, like obviously one of the top conferences in RPI. I, I have, I have eight, nine of them possibly making making the tournament this year. I mean, I, don't, I think ten for record. I don't know if they get the double digits, but the, the Big Ten is, is just so good overall. I mean, um, last year, home court, when that was a was was, uh, severe advantage. Um, this year's going to be also different, the fans. But, I mean, just just kind of win a road game last year in the Big Ten was hard. And they're just they're just so tough. I think the Big Ten, and the reason why, with this, with this shortened schedule, um, it's going to be so hard for them to fall out, especially with the net ranking, like every every loss is going to be a loss against, it's going to be a good loss. So they're not going to lose a whole bunch of points in the net for all these good losses. So I think it's just going to, they're just going to build off each other, and every win is going to be good, and every loss is going to be a, a good loss, except for maybe against Northwestern or Nebraska. Um, other than that, I think the Big Ten is going to have a lot of.
1: Depending, of course, if it was a regular year and, you know, whatever 58 teams make it or whatnot, uh, the Big Ten is definitely the toughest. Let me ask, you, Let me ask you about two Big Ten teams. Uh, first of all, Michigan. I'm intrigued by Michigan with Juwan Howard being the coach. They seem to be bringing in some solid recruits. What do we expect out of Michigan this year? Well, Michigan
2: tricky because last year they all coming in. They are all happy with Juwan Howard. Uh, they are all excited about it. Um, and they they were, they were they were expected to do well. Started off okay. In the middle, it was, was kind of rough. Um, this year, I mean, the starting lineup looks good. It looks like they're going to be able to play. Uh, I myself am not one hundred percent sold on John Howard as a coach. He was coming in of his first year. He had all these NBA expectations with his new NBA style offense. Um, I'm also not 100% convinced how long Jawan Howard's going on staying in Michigan. I mean, I, I feel like he's got on, on the NBA. Uh, is that going to hurt recruiting? I mean, here's the thing. They're, they're going to do well in there. Um, NBA, ex-NBA players have just, I don't want to say power, but they have this influence over kids that want to come and play for them. Um, it doesn't always work. Look at Patrick Ewing and George just, I just had a whole bunch like, of transfers out. So, they're going to be good if they're going to come in, if they're going to play. Um, I, I just don't know, you know, in, in, a, in a conference when you have, uh, you have you know, the likes of like Izzo and Greg Gard, and I don't know, is, is Johan Howard at that level? If you be that one, I don't think so. So, if anything, going to have the players, I'm not sure if he's going to be the one that brings them all together in,
1: in this year. Okay. Now, what about Illinois? Illinois, when I was growing up, Illinois was always good. They were always you know, in the conversation. They've kind of been out of the conversation for a while now, but now they're they're back in the top ten. Uh, is Illinois going to be a team that's really going to push the Big Ten this year? Uh,
2: well, so Illinois, right now, the EP had Illinois at eight. Uh, I have a nine. It, this, this, is, this is interesting. Interesting fact interesting look right here. They have the fact that you have Kentucky full of freshmen, Duke full of freshmen, and Illinois who is, is you know returning four or five starters. They they have they have the seniors. You, you, you see the A P um valuing the seniors over the until rookies obviously in the preseason, Duke they're gonna be having anything last year. I right. no. Illinois is gonna be fantastic. They have Dosumu coming back, he's only playing there. Trent Fraser. we have uh, Georgia D, who he goes by just because his name is impossible to uh, pronounce. And then Colton Cochburn, they couldn't be more excited with Dosumu and Cochburn coming back. But The one thing that is, is holding me back with uh, Illinois, despite that Dosumu is probably going to win play of the year, is that last year they went with Dosumu uh Perez and uh Trent They went thirteen games with those guys. That's six five, six two and six two. And at one point they had uh Samante at six three. So for five games, those five guys um those four guys played one through four. But so technically I guess in the, in the two moves, guarding power forward. I mean it's great for small ball offense. Um I, I, I don't know how they're going, to feel. they're going to score. They didn't last year. Obviously, they were, they were basically 10 and 3 with those, those three guard front last year. So, obviously, they can do it. The freshman Adam Miller coming in probably going to start. Remember, number 30 uh, recruit. Uh, he's, going to, he's probably going to start. But he's 6 3, so he doesn't really change that three guard front. So, offensively, they're going to score. So, soon was so good. Um, defensively, if they go up against a big team, it's who's going to win small ball or big ball, and I, I don't know if that takes Illinois deep into the tournament, but they're going to do very, very well um, in the Big Ten. I guess technically in their rankings, uh I have, Illinois, I have Illinois coming, yeah, I mean,
1: third, I guess, in the Big Ten with you. Uh, outside of the Big Ten, two teams that I'm intrigued by, uh, one would be UConn. They're getting votes. They're not in the top AP, top 25, but they are getting votes, and there's been a lot of conversations about uh, Connecticut being a solid team again this year and, and coming into the the tournament as an at-large bid. Uh, what do you know or what do you think about UConn? Well,
2: UConn, I'm expecting UConn to have a really good season. Um- one reason why I don't have the exact uh, number on me of of the traveling that they did in, in, in one particular week, um, but there was one where they went to uh, two and and two and uh, stuff. It was ridiculous. They had like something like uh, for a week. They eventually had like two thousand traveling miles or whatever um, traveling to you know being in being in the AAC. Um, yeah, I have some good guys coming in. Um, I haven't been totally up to date on UConn to give you, like, the precise starting lineup and whatever, but they're going to be good. I, I'd have them just outside the, the top 25. I mean, I think they can definitely make some noise come the uh, come
1: tournament. And then what about DePaul? I believe I read in one of your articles um, that DePaul may have a player of the year, at least in the conference, uh, this year. Um what do we expect out of DePaul this year? Are they, you know, in my lifetime, DePaul really hasn't been that great, um, but there was some history there before me. Uh, so what are we expecting out of DePaul this year? DePaul is
2: going to be able to, to, to score. Um, I, I don't, as a team, I don't, I don't know how many um, games are going to win. Um, they, I don't know if they can guard anybody. But um, they, they are definitely going to be able to win and uh, yeah, so uh, for the ball, Charlie Moore at point guard is sensational, he's going to take people off the dribble, he's going to leave a lot of guys, he's going to draw the double team, draw the help, he's going to be able to get guys open and make his team better. I really, it, it's hard for a, um, I think I mentioned in articles, but a, a, a losing team, a, losing, a team with a losing record, to have the player of the year doesn't happen very often. Um, but he's, he's just so, so good. I, I don't see him am telling up a lot of wins, um, but I think I'm being excited to watch.
1: Are there any coaches this year? I mean, I know there are coaches on the hot seat. Are there any coaches that you can think of, bigger names, or at least bigger programs that you would say they're either not going to survive the season or this is their last season as head coach?
2: I don't see Pacino making it out of Minnesota. I mean, um, it's not the greatest, biggest program right now, they're not doing the best, and not the biggest uh, Pacino name, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't see um, Pacino making it out of this. They have some high standards um, in Minnesota, and I don't see he has on a great record. Um, I do believe uh, they're going to get the number one, uh, I guess it would be called chat They're get number one or number two. I do believe Holgram is, is going to choose Minnesota, uh, come January, I don't think he's going to choose it because of Pacino, and I feel like could get rid of Pacino and um, and still keep from and not have re enter the uh, the OB open recruiting. Um, an easy one. I mean, nah, I don't want to say uh, obviously, Popovich is having some trouble over in Georgetown. Um, he's, run, he's run deep in um, in Georgetown, so I think he's got a lot of uh, leeway. So he doesn't really have to worry just yet. But maybe he's got a couple of years. Um, other than that, I mean, it, it's, I don't have anything uh, that, uh, you know, isn't, um, you know, widely known on the Internet of guys. I mean, you always got Shaka uh, um, over and he, he's always on, on the hot seat. So um, I don't think I have any super insight you know, other than, you know, what everybody's thinking
1: about but those college, you know, those, of those coaches. How does Will Wade at LSU still have a job?
2: Um, listen, LSU is going gonna, is, is gonna to be good though this year. Um, I actually have them ranked um, 18th and they're not even, uh, I mean, not AP. AP didn't even have them on there. No, I think they just got some votes outside the 18th. Um, yeah, there's a lot of questions about his, his coaching. A lot of people, um, do, do question his coaching. They don't like his uh, his uh, playing style that he has as a kid. he doesn't get enough out of his kids. But he does have talented guys, man, and um, I think I think they actually they actually do very well this year and they do put together and they stay a top twenty five team, so it just seems that every time you think that, like, you know, you're going to have two, you know, a coach has a bad year, you know, as a director, you know, waiting one more time, and um, then he's going to pan him. But, uh, you know, you don't always know, you don't always know the uh, in and out of the contract. And there's a lot of times when, like, one more year takes off, like, you know, $5, 6000000 million more off just by doing one year, and then they that one year and they do great and it's hard to get rid of a guy after he does well especially if they have recruits like a lot of guys like that's one opportunity for, for players to get a waiver is that well the coach is gone and now I want to I want to transfer right so listen, we, I, I don't know the hints about every coaching contract I don't know how many of those recruits are, are hanging their hat on or, or, or are there because of that coach so I don't know maybe
1: he, he's got something there Getting guys. <laughs> so Alright, one more question for you is give us a team to watch for that is at, no one else necessarily knows they're gonna be great, but they could be maybe the dark horse in the NCAA tournament this season. Well,
2: I mean I mean I can go. I have I have a couple one that I really, really like that is is not on. Like I said, I got I have I have Michigan skate way higher than a lot of people, but, uh, I have not if you four, but, uh, AP has, um, they have them in the top, uh, they have them in 13. The one that I really, really like that can make, uh, I see a lot of noise, is Florida. Um, and with Mike right there, um, they did lose Andrew Nemar, Nemar to, to Gonzaga and Kerry Blackshear Jr., you know, that's 11 and 12 points right there, but, I, I, they got some key additions. Um, they got Tyree Appleby. He was averaging fourteen points points out at Cleveland State. They got uh, Anthony Deluzi from Louisiana uh, Tech. Um, they got Deontay Johnson back. Deontay Johnson, I mean, he's, right now he's a preseason Player of the Year in the SEC. Um, they're going to have seven seven guys. I mean, this is losing numbers. They have seven guys who, coming out of high school, are ranked in the top 100. And they, they don't have a lot of shots, but they make a high percentage of shots. Um, I, I personally just wrote something uh, that I believe. I know Mike White one coach here in the SEC uh, two years ago, 2017. Um, I see Mike White exceeding all expectations. Uh, all expectations, and, and, and Florida doing really, really well. Um, not only in the regular season, um, but in um, come come um, the tournament. And um, I would also go with, I mean, this one's way out there. This is one of those, those major teams that uh, are they're going to make the, I think they could very possibly get through the first weekend, depending on what they have. But Austin Payne, the governor, I mean, we um, have seven contributors returning. Um, they have well, They're going to lower the number of turnovers uh, And uh, and the percent From beyond the arc is going to increase And they're going to be above 35% I uh, I really
1: like Off the big coming you know, From the mid-majors and, and I don't know, you know Busting, I guess, busting a couple brackets At least throughout the first two rounds In, in the tournament Well, maybe that's why you write for Bustingbrackets.com uh, Yeah, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trevor uh-huh. yeah, Uh You can find his writings on bustingbrackets.com with fanside. And you can find him on Twitter at Sendohinos. Um, we'll put that in the uh, podcast notes and obviously we'll have it on our Twitter page as well. So you can find Trevor and follow him as well. Trevor, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, sure. Appreciated your time. Well, thanks a lot, It's really appreciate you. Have a good one. And, uh, Let's hope uh, we make it to March. That's right. Yeah. Or, or May, is, if Rick Patino has his way.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Joining us now is Andy Patton of Score Zag Score Podcast. And he's here to talk with us about Gonzaga, the number one team. Andy, thanks for being with us. Uh, let's start off with. The fact that Gonzaga is number one that brings in high expectations. Can this team meet those expectations?
0: Yeah, you know it's it's an interesting. First of all, thanks for having me on, Vince. I appreciate it. Uh, it's interesting for Mark Few and his staff this year that they, they're not used to having such a young team. I think for you know the twenty year run that they've had, they've done it primarily on the back of developing guys for three or four years and really kind of unleashing them at that point and this year's squad obviously returns Corey kispert who's a senior and going to be one of the best players in the country he's extremely well-rounded versatile guy and jolie is, is a redshirt sophomore so this is his third year in the program so they do have some experience but they're starting jalen suggs a, a blue chip freshman something they haven't had a lot in their program's history they're starting drew Timmy. uh a very very talented player but he's in his second season and was a reserve last year and probably going to start Anton Watson who only played like 15 games last year so it's really hard in a season that you know we haven't gotten to see much of the team they're not playing at those kind of gimme exhibition style games at the beginning of the year like they typically do like most teams typically do they're starting the season off against Kansas and so these young guys are going to be thrown into the fire right away and With a really difficult non-conference schedule, it's not hard to imagine that they drop one of those games or even two of those games, which will likely move them down in the rankings, but will ultimately prepare them better for March and put them in a position to do really well when it actually counts.
1: Yeah, you know, the conference isn't known as a particularly strong conference, but you're right. They start off with Kansas, then I think it's scheduled to be Auburn. They've got Iowa early on. We've got a couple of top 10 teams early on um as well so it should be a tough start at the very least yeah and um, we'll know what they are pretty early on now they lost a player uh i don't know how to say his name philip Petrušev. yep that's right and uh he he decided to stay overseas for this year and uh how big is that i know um you already mentioned Jalen suggs and drew timmy and some others as well but uh, how big of a loss is that uh for this team
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think that the fan base around here really didn't view it as that much of a loss. And it it is a loss, obviously. He averaged like 17-8 and last year, was one of the best players in the country. A part of that was because I think Gonzaga's guard scoring last year was among the worst they've ever had. And the guards that they had last year were talented. Ryan Woolridge was a graduate transfer from North Texas. He filled in very well, but he wasn't a great scorer. And Admon Gilder was their other grad transfer. He booked out with some injury issues. But this year's team, Jolie Ayi, is going to do a lot of scoring. Jalen Suggs, the freshman, is an elite player and should do a ton of scoring. So Gonzaga's, Petrusov's numbers last year were partly because the offense just funneled through him on basically every half-court possession. This year, they have more talented scoring in the backcourt, which should alleviate some of that pressure on a guy like Drew Timmy also is very capable at scoring with his back to the basket. He's developed a bit of an outside shot. So when you lose an All-American caliber player like Philip Petrušev, it's hard to say that that's not a loss at all. But this team was kind of built with the expectation that he may do exactly what he did. And I think for him, he didn't see a good opportunity to come back because of Drew Timmy's emergence, because they had a guy like Umar Balo, who's their backup center, who's going to play big minutes this year as well. And I think he kind of, his game doesn't really fit the NBA style anymore. You know, he would have been an NBA player 30 years ago, but this this kind of NBA doesn't fit him. And so he kind of just took the opportunity to go to make his money overseas. And it's it's weird. It's, it's funny to see a program like Gonzaga lose an all-American caliber player and not feel like it's as big of a loss as you'd expect it to be. But that's where they're at right now. That's the way that they've been developing these big men is they're just – kind of in a next-man-up mentality, and Timmy looks like he's going to be a really, really talented player for this program this year.
1: Yeah, Drew Timmy's getting some recognition, at least from writers. Uh, the Athletic, their college basketball staff, voted him as the most underrated player in the country, mm-hmm. and so he's he's definitely going to have some expectation for him as well, but it does seem like the scorers on this team, adding a guy like Jaden Jalen Suggs is a big deal, especially for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in Lexington, so they're adding guys – every year at Kentucky. <laughs> but but for yeah. Gonzaga, they, they seem to be more of the foreign guys or the guys that stick around for a couple of years and can develop <laughs> and things like that. So Suggs is going to be interesting. Other than Suggs, is there any other newcomers to watch for on this Gonzaga team? Yeah,
0: the, so the, the, the freshman class, they called them the tricky trio. There's three guys that they brought in, and they've been kind of connected to Gonzaga for multiple years. The other one is Dominic Harris – Uh, Committed to the program, I think, as as early in his sophomore year of high school, he verbally committed. So he's been kind of, it feels like he's been been a Zach for years already, even though he has yet to play in a game. He's a a score-first backup guard. He'll step into a starting role after this season. Really high-energy guy. I think he's going to be a very, very talented player in this program, but he's he's not going to have a huge role right away. The other one is Julian Strother, who averaged 30 points per game at Liberty High School in Las Vegas. Uh, just a, a certified bucket getter. hes a, I don't know how much he'll play defense. I don't know how much he'll pass the ball, but the dude can get buckets. And we didn't get to see him in Gonzaga's first scrimmage of the year a few days ago because he's dealing with an injury. But hes I think, again, he's going to be a backup to Corey Kispert this year, and Kispert's going to probably play 35 minutes per night. So I don't know how much we'll see Strother in his first year. This goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier of the majority of guys Gonzaga gets, they develop them for a couple of years, and I think there are two other freshmen on this squad are developmental pieces who could be really, really good next year, but will probably have limited roles this year. And then their last piece is Aaron Cook, a graduate transfer, another backup. He'll be very good when he plays, but unless something goes wrong with Jalen Suggs, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of him this year because they
1: just have so much talent in the in the backcourt. All right, last question for you. Where does Mark Few rank in college basketball as coach right now? I've always thought he's a great coach, and I was looking Mm -hmm. at the numbers and one Final Four appearance. Of course, his his regular season record's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Where do you think he kind of lines up with some of those great coaches that are in college basketball right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because his situation is very different than a lot of other coaches uh, in the sense he's been at the same program for years. They have obviously the growth that they have undergone in 20 years is incomparable to any other program. It's absolutely ridiculous, but they have these easier conference schedules. Uh, and they've, a lot of the years, not lately, <laughs> but a lot of those 20 years, they've been able to make the tournament simply by being the best team in a not good conference. Lately, that hasn't been the case, and that, I think, is a testament to his ability to coach and his assistant coaches' ability to go out and get those high-level European recruits that people haven't heard of the DeMontis Sabonis the Shamit Karnowskis the Rui Hachimiras Um, but yeah their their tournament performance has been not as they haven't choked as much as people think that they have I think if you look at where they're seated they typically perform about as expected they had a very notable loss to a nine seed back in 2013 that has haunted them (laughs) for a very long time and that was to a Wichita State team that ended up making the final four but I would probably say Mark Few. It's hard to argue against him being one of the five best coaches in college basketball right now. Uh, certainly there's the Bill Selfs and the Mike Krzyzewskis and the Roy Williams and other high-profile names like that. But I think that any list that doesn't include him in the top five is probably <laughs> probably has somebody in there that shouldn't be. But I think he's probably right around that four or five range, you could argue, for a handful of names ahead of him.
1: All right. Well, it's Andy Patton from Score Zag Score Podcast. Where can uh, people find you on social media?
0: Yeah, so you can find the podcast at Score Zag Score on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can also find me on Twitter at Andy Patton PNW.
1: All right. Andy Patton, thank you so much for being with us and talking a little bit about Gonzaga basketball.
0: Thanks, Vince. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Now to our Stirring the Pot segment, where we talk about Coach Calipari. Is Coach Calipari's recruiting success magnifying his coaching failures? The Big Blue Nation had no idea when John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins were eliminated in the 2010 Elite Eight. That would be the new normal. Kentucky basketball fans have enjoyed consistent success since John Calipari took over the program, but they have not had their expectations met expectations. That's the key word when talking about John Calipari. In his first season, the preseason polls had them at number four. That means the expectation was set for them to make the final four. Yet, they were out in the Elite Eight. Coach Cal has met preseason expectations only twice, although one time he did make the finals and lost as a preseason number one, so being number two isn't all that bad. Eleven seasons into his time at Kentucky, Cal has one national championship. He has four Final Four appearances. For many universities, that would be successful and more than acceptable, but Kentucky is not like most universities. Basketball in Kentucky takes the pain of UK's football failures off everyone's minds. More people attend basketball practice than the average football game. Looking back at preseason polls, Calipari has had two classes at preseason number one, five classes at preseason number two, and classes that started the seasons ranked 3, 4, 5, and 11. John Calipari is one of the greatest college basketball recruiters of all time, yet his great recruiting magnifies his coaching failures. He embraced the one and done, and he brags about how much money his former players make in the NBA, yet his fans, the Big Blue Nation, are left wanting more almost every single year. Why is that? My opinion is that Coach Cal has to brag about his former player's success in the NBA to hide his own present failures as a coach. Is he the worst coach? No, not even close. But is he the best coach? No, and he may not even be a top 10 coach in the Power 5 conferences. Duke, Connecticut, and Villanova have all won two championships in the time that Cal has been at UK. Kentucky has made it to two championships, but so has Butler, Michigan, and North Carolina. The University of Kentucky will enter this season ranked 10th in the preseason rankings. With mostly new players on the roster and much uncertainty due to COVID, can the Wildcats meet this year's expectations? The question is simple. When will coach John Calipari meet the expectations that recruiter John Calipari sets? Big Blue Nation has watched too much talent come through Lexington to have only had one parade. What are your thoughts on Coach Calipari as a coach? Feel free to share those opinions on Twitter at Sports Stove, or you can email your opinions to thesportstove at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in to today's Sports Stove podcast. We are brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Go to BellyUpSports.com. You'll find all kinds of articles as well as other podcasts and even some merchandise for you to purchase as well. Don't forget to rate, review, and share, please, this podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on today. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Sports stove. You can email any comments to the SportsStove at gmail.com. We'll be talking some NBA basketball in the coming days with the draft here, as well as free agency and trades going on. But until next time, we'll see you around the Sports stove.